Life has its ups and downs. Life can be fun. Life is sometimes hectic. And life is full of choices. Welcome to Venture, the podcast that brings the biblical truth to the ventures that we face in this world and live in today. Welcome back to another Venture Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Wills. I am the lead pastor at Chandler Acres Church in Bellevue, Nebraska, and I'm so glad and thankful that you are listening uh, on this podcast today. I also want to say, you know what? Happy Easter. Amen. Lord has risen. Christ has risen. And uh, it is such a a glorious time of year to be able to, to celebrate. And so I believe you are listening for a reason and a purpose today as always. And as always, my prayers that will be shown to you today. Uh, we are starting a, a new series, uh, as we mentioned last week. It's called I Deserve It. And, and what I want to do over the next four weeks is I want to show you four different stories of the gospel about people who deserve something bad, but because of the goodness and grace of Jesus, he did not give them what they deserved. And in fact, next week, we're going to look at it, a very emotional story about a woman caught in adultery. And so if you've ever felt ashamed for your sin, or if you've ever been locked into a sexual sin or any other types of sin where you feel really dark, I encourage you to, to listen in next week as uh, we talk about that. We're going to look at how Jesus didn't give her what she deserved, which would have been condemnation, but he gave her mercy. Then week number three, we're going to look at Zacchaeus, you know, who was a horrible sinner, and a wee little man was he. And, and if you grew up in church, uh, maybe you sang that song in, in your Sunday school class or during church, maybe whatever, but we're going to see that Jesus didn't give him rejection, which is what he deserved, but Jesus accepted him and even went to his house. And then the final week, fourth week, we're going to see Peter, who continues to fail and fail and fail and fail and fail, and, and he rejects and denies Jesus. And, and, we, and when he deserved to be counted out, Jesus gave him another chance. And so I'm looking forward to the weeks ahead. But today, we're going to look at a story of someone who actually deserved death. Because of the grace of Jesus, he did not give this man what he deserved. Instead, Jesus instead gave him life. So in order for us to really walk through uh, this with a good foundational understanding, I, I want to start with one big thought, okay? So if you're kind of taking mental notes or if you're in a place to write down some notes, uh, either way, uh, we need to understand this in order for the goodness to be really good, okay? So I'd love for you to write this down. We are all guilty of breaking God's laws. Every single one of us, uh, you, me, your neighbors, family, we are all guilty of breaking God's laws. And so, for example, if I were to ask you, uh, if I stole something, what would you call me? And your answer should be a thief. And so my question is, how many of you have stolen something in your life? You know, be honest with yourself. You know, uh, some of you, uh, if you're not honest with yourself right now, you're, you're probably lying to yourself. And so now you've become a thief and a liar as well. And so uh, I hope this message will, will reach to you and understand that we are all uh, somebody, all guilty of breaking God's laws. And so James 2.10 says this, For the person who keeps all the laws except one is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. In other words, 
if you just lusted one time or, or cheated one time or gossiped one time or lied one time or stole one time, if you just did it one time, you're as guilty in the eyes of God as someone who broke all the laws. And Romans 6 tells us exactly what the punishment is or the payment is for, for breaking God's laws. In Romans 6.23 it says, for the wages of sin is death. In other words, if we understand this, because we've all sinned against God, we actually deserve death. We deserve death. And the good news is because of the grace of God, he doesn't, he doesn't have to give us what we deserve if we find a higher Savior. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. And so we're going to look at the story of two thieves. We're going to see Jesus actually on the cross in between, in between two thieves or two criminals. And uh, here's what Luke said about this story. It's Luke 23, and I want to start in verse 32. And so I'll read uh, 32 and 33 to you. Here's what it says. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. But before we read the next part of the story, let me let me talk about the crucifixion for just a moment, okay? Because to crucify someone was one of many different ways that you can execute a person during the life of Jesus. Uh, There's lots of different ways to execute someone, but crucifixion happened to be the most expensive. And the reason it was the most expensive is because it took four Roman guards and one centurion to, to pull all this off. The crucifixion would generally last several days, and so the expense and all the manpower was was really high. And the reason the Romans would crucify someone is not just because um, they didn't want you know they wanted to spend some extra money or anything like that, but it but it happened to be the most painful and the most publicly humiliating way to execute a person. So therefore, the Roman leaders reserved this for those that really wanted or they really wanted to hurt or or to make a statement, you know which tells you a lot about who Jesus was hanging next to, because we don't know exactly what they did. You know, it says criminals. Some translation says thieves, so they might have stole something on, on, or, or did something, you know. But it was bad enough, either way, to spend extra money to bring extra pain and extra humiliation. And the reason it was so painful and humiliating is that they would actually strip these criminals down naked. So they would hang naked in front of everybody, and the, and the sun would beat down on them for days. And they would literally get baked in the sun, and they would go mad, and they would lose their senses. And in order to breathe, they would have to push themselves up because they're hanging, remember, on a cross with their hands nailed and their feet nailed. And, and here they are, you know, just hanging, hanging there. And so every once in a while, they had to lift themselves up to, to just to take a breath until finally they were so exhausted that they would start to suffocate because they could not lift themselves up anymore. And the birds would literally come and start to pick at their bodies, and, and they would eventually die. And everybody would come by and, and laugh at them. So you can imagine how horrible this was. And we don't know what these criminals did, but it was bad enough to spend extra money to humiliate them, as they wanted to humiliate Jesus. And, and so here we see them in this horrible situation. So let's, let's continue on our story, but we're going to go all the way down to verse 39. In Luke 23, it says, one of the criminals who hung there and hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, 
Since you are under the same uh, sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Now, what I'd like to do today is just very humbly and, and very gently suggest that to every one of you that is listening, in, in spiritually speaking sense, you know, we or you are one of these two thieves. Okay, every single one of us. Okay, if we just look at it from a, spir- a spiritual pers- uh, perspective, is what I want to say. We are actually, in the eyes of God, one of these two thieves. And what I want to do is is look at again, look at what we just read again, and, and what they said in these moments. Okay, and then I want you to I want to summarize so you can help determine if you're more like thief number one, or if you're more like thief number two. Okay, so let's look at that first. Verse again, verse 39 that we read, he said, he's hanging there and he's hurling insults at Jesus. And he says, aren't you the Messiah? He says, save yourself and us. So what do we know about this guy? Well, he, he's arrogant, right? He, he's full of pride. He's entitled. He doesn't fear God at all. He's being a smart aleck, you know. If there's anything about God that he wants, he's like, okay, if you're Jesus Savior guy, okay, then save me too. And quite honestly, there are some people that approach God with that same type of of way, okay? Like, all right, if there is a hell and a heaven, I'll just say the stupid little prayer, you know, well, how does that go, right? And I'll check the box on the card, and I'll give it to you, and I'll I'll come to the little class, okay? And, And I got to get baptized, I know, and I will do that whole thing, and I'll do whatever it takes to get the stuff from him. But ask me for anything back, that's not gonna happen. You see, it's an entitled mindset. This guy, he's not recognizing any guilt. You know, he's saying, I haven't done anything wrong. This isn't right. This isn't fair. I don't like this whole thing. And if you ask me to summarize this guy in one word, and if you're taking notes, I would say this thief, number one, is unrepentant. He's not owning any of his sinfulness. He's not owning that he's done anything wrong. You know, he's critical. He doesn't fear God. He's unrepentant. And the second criminal, though equally guilty, he has a a different perspective when he says this in verse 40. He says to the other guy, he says, don't you fear God? And sometimes I think that Jesus would say that to people today. Don't you have any fear of, of God at all? And thief number two says, since we're under the same sentence, he owns his sin. He says, we're punished justly. We're getting what our deeds deserve. In other words, we broke the law. We, we actually deserve this. But, but this guy, Jesus, he's innocent. He hasn't done anything wrong. So to summarize the second guy, I'm going to tell you, yes, he's guilty, no doubt about it. He deserves it, but he's broken. He's humble. And he recognizes, hey, I've done something wrong. Even though he's not perfect, he has some fear of God. And so if you're going to ask me to summarize this guy, I'm going to say thief number two is repentant. He's repentant. So first thief is unrepentant. The second one is repentant. He knows he needs mercy. He knows he needs help. He knows he can't do anything for himself at this moment. And he's calling out on Jesus. So let me tell you why all this is so important. Because we live in a world today that culture has significantly shifted, you know. 20 years ago, people had no problem saying, hey, yeah, I've done wrong, and yeah, I know, I'm a a sinner, we're all sinners. But today, people get all upset, right? Don't call me a sinner, I'm not a sinner, 
I'm not a bad person. Don't tell me that's a sin. This isn't a sin. I'm not a bad person, right? Well, the problem is when we have that mindset, we're comparing ourselves to other people and not to God. And you may be sitting next to someone right now, or maybe you know someone right now who's much worse than you, and you're saying, I'm not that bad of a person. You know, I'm sitting by a really bad person, or I know a really bad person, and and just not that way. Okay? The reality is, so often though, it's like, don't tell me I'm a bad person. Don't tell me I've done something wrong. And let me tell you why this is so important. We have to recognize that, that we all have broken God's laws, right? We have to start there because until we recognize that we have sin, then we don't recognize our need for a Savior. The moment we recognize we've fallen short to, of, of God's standards, it's at that moment that we become a candidate for grace. And if you're unrepentant, if you're arrogant and full of pride, and, and so many people unfortunately are today, you are more like thief number one. But if you recognize, hey, I, I've messed up, I, I've done wrong, I really do need forgiveness, then, then you're more like thief number two. And I'll, I'll illustrate this way, and I want to state this, state this before I, I go into my illustration is, until we see your sinfulness, you won't see your need for a Savior, right? So here's my question to you guys that are listening. How many of you have gotten a speeding ticket? I'm assuming a lot of you have. And so um, here we all get it, right? Well, I've got pulled over one time for having an expired license plate. And I had to go to traffic court with all you speedster lawbreakers, right? And I come in there, and, and there were all these people in there. And I went on, and I sat in the back row of this, this courtroom. And the judge was rather an intimidating type of guy. He just had that voice and that demeanor about him that just... Like, I really do not want to be standing in front of this guy, okay? And he's calling people up front and saying, hey, tell me your story. And person after person came up and was fighting their innocence and saying, you know, it's not my fault. I know I was clocked at 77 miles an hour, but I wasn't going over 55, I promise, you know? Or the next person, hey, that sign was, wasn't posted clearly. It was blocked or whatever it might be. But person after person was defending themselves, and they were declaring their innocence. And, and finally, the judge says, hey, Dan, please come up front. And so I came up front, and he said, hey, what's your story, Dan? And I said, well, I'm an idiot. I forgot to check my plates, and, and what can I say? I'm, a, I'm an idiot. And he said, you're a what? I said, I'm an idiot. He, he, and he looked at me, and he said, could you say that louder for everyone else to hear? And at that moment, I'm like, you're who's the idiot now i'm not gonna say this any louder you know so i kind of balked at it again and he looked at me and he kind of leaned in and gave me this this knowing look like hey you know go work with me here okay and he's like could you say it louder for everyone to hear and i said i'm an idiot and he said i don't think everybody heard that are you guilty and i said i'm guilty and he goes are you a guilty idiot and I said, I'm a guilty idiot. And he said, yes, you are. So you are forgiven. He said, get out of here and before you pollute all these other innocent people, you know. And as I'm walking out there, I'm doing the, the no ticket for Dan dance, you know, just that whatever dance you can come up with for no ticket, you know. And, I'm, and I was completely guilty. But all of a sudden, the judge looks on and says, you are innocent. You're free to go. You know, get out of here. And that story is 100% true. 
with maybe a little bit of exaggeration just to make it more fun. You know, actually, I did get out of the ticket, and he did do some of that stuff, and I did really dance in the in the parking lot. But I tell you all this to, to let you know that if you are arrogant and, and full of pride, our God looks on and says, I can't help you. But if you come to him repentant and say, hey, I've sinned. I'm an idiot. I messed up. I'm dirty. I'm vile. I'm bad. Suddenly you become a candidate for his grace. And, and here's what's so amazing to me, and this just blows my mind. Jesus was hanging on the cross next to two guilty people. They were both equally guilty. They both equally deserved death. Both men saw and heard the same things during those fateful few hours. They both had the very same opportunity. They both were suffering severely, and they both needed a Savior. One missed it, and one didn't. And you know what? That very same thing is probably going to happen today. There's going to be two people, whether it's in your family or somewhere else, that are going to hear a message, you know, and they're going to be seen side by side, you know, maybe singing the same songs in church one day, hearing the same message about the goodness of God. And one person's going to be thief number one. You know, stupid religion, I don't need that. I'm not a bad person. I don't need that stuff. And right next to him is going to be a person who says, I did mess up. I do need help. I do need grace. The good news is that second one is going to call on Jesus and, and be transformed in a way that is impossible to describe with earthly words. You know, they're going to be made new, forgiven, transformed, changed, healed. And the second thief, he deserved death. He deserved it. But Jesus gave him life. The way Jesus forgave him is so powerful. It so illustrates the beauty of God's grace that, that if this doesn't draw you to the love of God, I don't know what will. So let me show you the power of the story, okay? He rebuked the first one, and then he looks to Jesus and watch what he says. Look at verse 42. He said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. So did you get it? Okay, let me read it again in case you weren't paying attention. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That was it. It wasn't like, like this, like, Oh, Heavenly Father, I beseech you now, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that you would grant thy forgiveness to this unrepentant servant that I am. You know, there's no fancy begging. He says, Remember me, Jesus. A couple of sentences, and, and eternity has changed for this guy forever. And this is the, the purest story illustration of Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, that you will find anywhere in the Bible. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, you may say, well, what does that say? Well, let, let's look at it. Okay, here's what it says. For it's by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. You're saved by grace through faith and not by works. You're saved by grace through faith and not by works. By the grace of God through believing that, that Jesus, Jesus did what he did was on, on the cross was enough. And not by works. You are not made right with God by being good enough. You're not made right with God by going to church. And you're not made right with God by being a church member. And you're not made right with God by giving money. You're not made right with God by helping little old ladies across the street. 
You're not made right with God by being a nice person. And you're not made right with God by getting rid of bad stuff in your life. And you're not made right with God by stopping saying bad words on the golf course. Okay, You probably can't even do that without the help of God anyways. And you're not made right with God by being a, a religious person. You're made right with God by grace through faith. And this story illustrates this perfectly. This thief on the cross couldn't do any good works because his hands were bound to the cross. And, and he couldn't even go to church because he couldn't get off the cross. He couldn't turn over a new leaf and do things because he was dying. All he could do was trust in the grace of Jesus. And, and suddenly that brings another, uh, all these other scriptures to life. You know, All of a sudden, Psalm 103 means something big to me. It says, God does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. That word transgressions means sins. Sometimes I, I just have to praise our God that he does not treat us as our sins deserve, that he did not treat me as my sins deserved because I deserved death. But because of Jesus, he gave me life. He does not repay us according to his iniquities. He separated my sins as far as the east is from the west, and, and he does not hold them against me. Here's the news you cannot miss. We don't have eternal life because we're good. We have eternal life because God is good. That is the heart of the gospel. We are not good. We don't earn it. We never deserve it. We only have it because he is good. God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. Let me tell you how good he is. He loves you so much that there's nothing you can do to make him love you more. And there's no sin that you can commit that can make you love him less because he loves you. Not because that's what he does. That's who he is. He is love. And because he loves you so much, he sent Jesus, who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but humbled himself and became nothing in the form of a servant, even being obedient to the death on the cross. Imagine our Savior, God in the flesh, on a cross. When he should have been sitting on a throne, he was hanging on a cross. When he should have had a crown of gold, he had a crown of thorns. When he should have been surrounded by servants, he was surrounded by thieves. And when he was innocent, he gave his life for us who were guilty. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Therefore, God does not hold our sins against us. Then Jesus, taking on the sin of the world, taking on my sin and your sin, he looked up to heaven and he said, it is finished. I did what you sent me to do. Then he said, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he breathed his last. And when he did, the earth shook, skies went dark, and the centurion looked on and said, surely this man was the son of God. When everyone else thought it was over, heaven knew it was just getting started because three days later when the women went to the tomb the stone was rolled away and it was empty why christ was not there he was risen from the dead and that one act defeated death hell and the grave see we have to recognize we don't have the potential of eternal life because we're good we have it because he is good we have all sinned and we all deserve death and the wages of sin is death. And Romans 6.23 part 2 says, 
but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. I praise my God in heaven that because of Jesus, he does not treat me as my sins deserve, that he does not judge me according to my own actions, but he sees the grace of Jesus on my life. And therefore, 1 Peter 1, 3, I say, praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth. If anyone in Christ sees a new creation, the old is gone and behold, everything becomes new. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He has given us a new birth into living hope, not through our own good works, but through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's why we gather in at the Easter time frame with billions of people all over the world to say, you know what? We love you, God. You did this for us, what we couldn't do for ourselves. The tomb is empty and your son is risen. Therefore, we worship Happy Easter, everybody. He is risen. Amen. Thanks for joining in for another Venture Podcast. I hope you all have a, a great Easter, and I hope you'll also join us next week as we continue our series of I Deserve It. Talk to you soon. If you'd like to know more about Venture Podcasts or would like to support this ministry, please visit our website at www.chandleracreschurch.com.